All right, welcome back to the Daily Dots. Today is November 9th. Uh, it's just going to be me today. Zach is jet setting as usual. Um, I'll run through the markets real quick and then I have yeah, a few things to talk about. Um, today was an interesting day in the market. Everything was opened up uh, on, on the up and up, kind of green. Looked like we were going to do like whatever it was, nine, 10 days in a row. Uh, green for the markets, but then a couple of things happened that soured the mood. Um, the it, it seems like the big one was actually Powell's Powell's speech. Even though I don't think that should have moved the market much. Um, on the flip side, we had a really bad thirty-year Treasury auction that, uh, to me, deserved to move the market more more than it did at the, at the time. Granted, that pushed the the bond yield on on the thirty-year all the way up to. Um, it was like up 20 basis points, a little over at one point on the day. So a massive move, um, on the long bond after that auction. Uh, but, but a little after that was when Powell spoke. Um, he said a couple things that clearly set off the market. Uh, it was one of those where I wasn't watching live, didn't read it, um, in real time or anything. Saw the market reaction then went and read it. And I was like, okay, I see where like a couple of these lines could have you know, move the market a little bit, but it's one of those I didn't really understand why uh, the market cared so much about what he said. But we'll we'll, we'll get into that stuff here soon. Uh, on the day, the S and P was up uh, point or down, excuse me, point. I'm so he's saying up now, down point eight percent. The Nasdaq down point nine four. Uh, Dow down about point six, and IWM of course down one point five five percent. So really ugly move on the on uh, small caps. They've been down. Uh, three of the last four days. So they got kind of squeezed on this initial move and they're kind of right back to, at least in my opinion, reflecting economic reality and, and tight monetary policy. Um, same, same kind of story where stuff like ARC was down 3%. Um, Tesla was down over 5%. Part of that was due to some um, some thoughts from an analyst or a downgrade or something. Um, however, NVIDIA continues to rip higher. The failed head and shoulders breakdown there and subsequent rip um, is one that I guarantee got a lot of people off sides and what would have me if, if I had a more appropriate way to, to short NVIDIA, but um, oil actually made its way up on the day a little bit. Uh, the dollar at one point was up about half a percent. Last I see here is about 0.36%. So the dollar, of course, like the fact that bond yields were ripping higher. Um, we actually got the VIX up to a 15 handle. So it, I mean, at least woke up a little bit. Uh, the two-year bond was, note technically, was up 10 basis points, 10-year up 14, and the 30-year settled out at 16 basis points. So pretty significant moves higher um, across the rate complex. Uh, to go into, well, first of all, let's talk about the, the, the Treasury auction. It was, at least going back to 2016, the, the biggest tail in an auction. It was over a five basis point move. Um, from pre-auction to post-auction, so just ugly slippage there in in the rate required to satisfy that auction. I'm starting to think. I actually think there's a lot of uh, demand for these things above five percent. I think I think anyone's out there's pretty much happy to go buy a bunch of ten years, twenty years, thirty years above five percent. But I think when they get back below that is when we really run into. Uh, problems with demand. So I think these auctions will probably continue to be rough under 5%. And I think if you pop back above five, they'll probably start going well. Um, maybe I'm wrong on that, completely wrong, but that's kind of my feel for the moment. Um, and on, on top of that, primary dealers had to take more down. The 
bid to cover ratio um, was at one of the lower levels here here in a while. Um, that, that was like a little alarming to me. And then I ran, ran back and looked at the 10-year average and we're pretty much right at it. So yes, yeah, weak compared to what we've had lately, but against like all the history that at least that bid to cover ratio, not, not abysmal. Um, so as far as what Powell said, like he did go out of his way to say, look, like they weren't sure if they had done enough yet, which I mean, no kidding, like duh, that he wouldn't hesitate to hike again if, if they needed to. He said that, I don't know, a million times. So like really nothing new there. Um, but what he did say was kind of like, Hey, like, as far as the supply side, the supply shock unwi- unwinding itself, like that's basically over. Like it, it has unwound. So he used that to say, hey, going forward, it may be a greater share of progress in reducing inflation is going to have to come from tight monetary policy, restraining the growth of aggregate demand. I think that line may be what uh, got a lot of people uh, upset that like they're going to stay that much more hawkish that much longer. Um, but I don't know, like, to me, it's 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 completely obvious already that the su- the supply shock part was over, like, and that monetary policy had to do the heavy lifting from here on out. But what's obviously not clear to people is that I think monetary policy already has done all that. It's it's not that the rate's not low enough; it's that the transmission mechanism is slower than usual. So it's not really about you know building the widget on the front end of the factory it's the conveyor belt that moves it down to the bot to the back end of the factory that's it so him raising rates again not going to do any it's not going to make the conveyor belt move any faster so i'm a little confused why you know people are looking at it this way why the fed's looking at it this way but regardless as long as the data keeps moving lower and having rates spike 20 bips in a, in a day helps that as long as data keeps coming in a little bit weaker um they're, they're not going to hike again like they're just going to be done. If, if inflation's coming down and staying um, in the threes and has a lot of underlying um, inflation, you know, uh, metrics, whatever that be, trim mean or actual underlying from the New York Fed, stuff like that, as long as that stuff's staying muted and unemployment rates moving higher, they're not going to hike. It just doesn't make any sense. So I think today was mostly, you know, a, a just giant overreaction to what, what Powell said. But on the flip side, the 30 year auction, I mean, you know, they can't, what the, what the market got fired up about in the, in the last two weeks was the fact that they were going to sell less of those. So the fact that they are selling less of those than expected and they're still having really challenged auctions is significant. So if we keep seeing bad auctions t- 10 years out, like, or I mean, really anywhere, obviously, but especially out on that long end, if we get more of those bad auctions, then it doesn't really matter that they're going to sell less of them because the rate's still going to do the, what the rate does to all of us. So that's just my thoughts on that stuff. Um, a few other items of interest that I kind of ran into today. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg is selling about $35 million worth of meta stock. And that's about the, f- that's the first time in like a couple years. So uh, that, that stood out to me a little bit. Um, and maybe he has some, you know, specific reason for it or something. It's not, I, I don't know, but I did some, just something I saw. A um, couple things on the housing market. We're just under 35% of homes sold being all cash. That, that is, that, that's just a really big number to me. That, that number was about 20% in May. Um, that's not to say it's never been up in the 30s before it has. It spent plenty of time there, but still having 35% all cash tell, and having you know half as many transactions as we're used to, it, it just says a lot about the health of that market and what it requires to get a transaction through. Um, and building on that, 
home builders, 62% of them are offering incentives in order to, to get deals through. Um, and again, that number was 50% not that long ago. I think July was like 50%. So same thing. Um, from the spring and the summer until now, because of the move in rates, it's taking more people that are buying with cash and it's taking the home builders essentially using their cash to, you know, help out buyers, whether that be, um, I mean, it's mostly going to be rate buy downs, but there's gonna be other incentives too. Um, so that's something significant to me. It, it just shows you that as long as rates aren't, I, I would say, uh, mortgage rates, if, if mortgage rates are over like six and a half, something like that, you're just going to, you're going to see a lot of struggles. You're not going to see many, very many transactions. Um, and the other thing was really the only data we had today was jobless claims. And as I've mentioned a few times, the thing I'm looking for is, is to watch that a, the continuing claims number and B the spread between continuing claims and initial. And yet again, um, initial claims came in, I mean, pretty muted, pretty fine, barely 217,000. I think it was, which historically is, is very, very low. Like that is not any sort of sign of a problem at all, but continuing claims continue to not just move higher, but move higher and beat expectations by a lot. And then if, naturally, because of those two things, the spread between continuing claims and initial claims is really starting to widen out. Um, that that spread's blowing out, uh, which is, as, as I've mentioned on the show before, is is a recession indicator to me, not one I don't think, I don't think too many people use. But if you go back and look at the data, anytime that spread kind of rips, um, that it, it signals a recession. We are not there yet when it comes to the level that historically we get to where it makes that signal. But it's notable to me that we're st perhaps starting to make that move. We are at the highest level on that spread and, and since, in about two years since uh, 20. No, actually, you have to go back to where really you have to go back to 2019 if you, you know, take out the craziness that was the pandemic, obviously. Um and climbing rapidly. So that's something I'll be keeping an eye on um, as we move forward. Um, and the last thing I'll say is, is Zach and I sat down with Cuppy, as we mentioned um, today for the interview, which obviously will air tomorrow. But you're, you're definitely not going to want to miss that one. It was a little less of a debate than, than I expected. I think that the reality is, you know, my views and Cuppy's views uh, are more similar than they seem in some ways, other than one thing. And I think that's just that he... He sees significant inflation even next year, and and I just don't. I don't. I don't really expect much inflation at all um, next year. And really, all of the divergences in our views kind of spread out from that. But I think he has some some anecdotes and some uh, like company specific and sector specific um, anecdotes and data that that are are compelling for someone to say like I think the economy is doing you know, better than you think. Cause obviously I, I have my own data and my own um, anecdotes that, that I see that I think are showing weakness. Um, but I think he offers some good counterpoints. So I think you definitely want to tune in to kind of hear what he has to say, hear what we have to say and, you know, come up with your own conclusions on who's right and who's wrong and, and how and when and all, all that good stuff. Um, but it was a blast to catch up with Cuppy. I, I haven't been able to talk to him in a while. So um, I think, you're definitely going to enjoy that one. So listen to that, share it, share this one. Um, and I will be talking to you guys next week. That's all I have for today. Uh, cheers. 
The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.